Hi, my name is Carol Kendall and welcome to The Wire, a series of podcast conversations with some of our Siemens colleagues where we find out more about the people behind the job title. Today I'm with Faye Bowser, who is the Head of Distributed Energy Systems here in the UK. First and foremost, it, it, it's uncharted waters. Especially in a leadership team, you see very much that we've really tried to increase different thinking. Mm -hmm. And that is sometimes really scary. This is very much more about co-creation and collaborating towards an outcome. Yeah. We employ more people in Siemens than Microsoft, Apple, Google and Facebook together. Leadership is one of the critical elements in all of this. Those of you who want a new challenge, are comfortable with doing something a little bit different, uh, uh, come and join us, get your name in the hat, and uh, let's make this change together. And we're going to take you through a little journey in this next 45 minutes of the why, the what, and the how. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and what you've been up to so far in your career, both in Siemens outside? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so right back from day one. Well, you can, yeah, you can do it day one. Okay, right. So, um, yeah, I'm Faye Bowser, currently the, the head of the Distributed Energy Systems for the UK and Ireland. Um, I joined Siemens in 2003, so I went straight into the, the apprenticeship programme okay. at the, uh, the site in Lincoln. So I started in the, the mechanical engineering route and went did the normal sort of apprenticeship scheme around going on the shop floor, going to college, doing all the different placements yeah. and bits. Were you 16 or 18? 16. 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so um, I did that. I did a mechanical for about four years and then electrical for a year because I was aiming to go into the commissioning team. Okay. So needed a sort of mixed exposure and then ended up focusing on the control systems. So I worked in the, the engineering side at Lincoln for about nine, nine and a half years or so. And then I moved over to the service team to work in more of a commercial role. Right. So I did some um, sales, contract management, project management, um, all different sides around. At the time, the job was called customer support manager. Yep. So you have a, a country or a particular customer and basically you're just there point of contact for all inquiries around servicing the gas turbine so um I yeah I loved working for Lincoln really in total I was there for about 13 years or so okay and um Lincoln's my hometown yeah so it was nice joining the business because when I first started there was my dad my brother, my sister, my cousins, it was quite a, it's a family. It's a family business, really. It's a family business. And, um, but that's the nice thing about Lincoln. It's like a really nice community and you've got like your school friends and things like that. So um, then I changed over to Siemens PLC right, okay. two and a half years ago or so. And it was within the same company, but at the same time it was quite daunting because I went from thinking I still work for Siemens but I don't I don't know any of the people now from going from a company in Lincoln where like I said I've got familiarity my friends my family um it was daunting but it was a really good challenge because I wanted to get away from becoming sort of specialized in one product one market yeah to sort of challenging myself so um then it was working with, with Matthew Knight yeah. in Government Affairs and Energy Strategy and within Power Generation, and then more so recently for Distributed Energy Systems. So that's a bit of a, 
a list from my CV. Yeah, Chris has got a tour, really, of everything you've done. So, do any of your family still work at Stevens? My sister, yeah, she's uh, so she's in the the Lincoln business. She yeah. um, leads a sort of regionalisation strategy for oh, right, okay. the industrial gas turbines um, globally. So, yeah, she's there. My my dad has since retired. I'm not particularly allowed to call it retiring because he's a bit too young, so he's having a gap year. So um no, I mean even from my original apprenticeship, I think there was about thirty of us or so and there's still still a fair yeah. few that have all moved around, changed roles, but still a lot of good sort of old friends now yeah. since since I started. Well, we were saying before we kind of started recording how, how you know, it, it seems it's such a good place to work. It, it's kind of a, it, it's just a different, it, it's a kind of a family environment to it, even, even when you kind of go out to the outside the, the Lincoln area. Yeah. You start those connections. So. Yeah, I think um, that was because at the time when I was 16, my friends would, go off they were doing their a-levels they'd go to yeah. uni they'd work for different companies and it became a bit of a you know oh god you still work for Siemens like yeah, 10 years yeah, later yeah. you still work there I'm on my 16th year now so it's like you still work for the same company but then when you're when you're within the company you think but I've done so many different jobs yeah um it's been so much fun like getting to travel the world getting to make all these new friends it's just like that's what I like about it is there's like so much variety but the security of sort of the large organization so for me it's just perfect yeah and so it's a different you so say you've done so many different jobs and you've you've kind of touched some different areas as well so you've seen quite a lot of Siemens which I suppose some people wouldn't uh, wouldn't never really see um so kind of go on to the questions then. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Curious. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, I say, I, I know that you were asking this around the management team uh, after International Women's Day. So, so what did you do? And as long as you don't ask me back. <laughs> no, I'm allowed to <laughs> reverse these questions. Um, okay. So International Women's Day. So that was in, in March. Yes. And um, there were quite a few different events spread throughout March. I think yeah. it was I think it was actually on March 8th, but we did a lot of different things as a company, as a team, yeah, as individually. Just, yeah, we... um, I built up... One of the first things I did was I contributed to something called um, this campaign of people like me. Yeah. Um, so there's this website that um, teachers and coaches and parents can use so that they can look at... at women in different um, roles so that if there are the uh, younger generation looking for someone um, who's familiar or that they feel like represents their personality, their interests, um, just this then was particularly for young females, yep. they can go on this site, search for them and say, that's a real-life current person who's doing a job like this. Yep. It's, it's completely possible for you to do something similar. So my profiles on there um and it's one of those that it was in you you answer a load of questions and then it comes up with a conclusion like this is what Faye is like and I read it and I thought oh, that's interesting like mm -hmm. how that's all been um you know analyzed so I enjoyed doing that and I'm glad it's on that page I also attended the the Women in Engineering Society um event so they were celebrating their 100th year anniversary and it was 
amazing. Um, went with uh, Imogen Stevenson as well in the DAS team, and Maria also joined from the Lincoln um, business. And there were some really inspirational talks. There was this one woman who was a pilot, and she was just because it's one of these events that you can talk about sort of women in positions, or the women just talk about what they do, what they're passionate, and they're just so you know infused by that. And she was talking about how she'd gone through the training program, how some things had been difficult, but they'd been so much fun and what it feels like to fly the plane over the fields and just the noise. And she, you got so absorbed in what she was talking about that I left thinking, I think I want to be a pilot. (laughs) She was so good. Um, And then there was also a talk um, around doing some reflection about what's happened within the last 100 years, so why the Engineering Society even started. Yeah. And um, so at that point, you know, what pulled through a lot of women into engineering positions was around, like, the World War, yeah. when a lot of the men were away and started to utilise more women. And at the end of it, women said, actually, I've got a lot yeah. of value to give. Yeah. We shouldn't just end this, and now we all go back to more, um, you know, home... Um, well, yeah, because I think World War One, they a lot of them ended up going back home to their normality. Yeah. Whilst I think after World War Two, they went actually no, no, we're not. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> uh, there was a lot of really good cases and a lot of women just going, actually I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, like there's no yeah. reason why I can't continue doing this and I've created something pretty good. So they created these societies, and um, at that point, I think that it started, like, there were zero women engineers, just because they didn't have the title, hadn't done it. They were women with engineering skills and abilities, yeah. but weren't actually, yeah, qualified, qualified or, yeah, or, or institutive. Yeah, or exactly. And then I think... So then it went up to, it was somewhere, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but it's in the magnitude of the, around 1990 or so, say like 5% of the engineering workforce were women, and today it's 11% of the engineering workforce are women. So you say, it's it's good that it's increasing, but when you think over 100 years, you think, Whoa, we can't wait for it to go through that rate for another 100 years. Like, yeah. So it was thinking a lot about... What can we do? Because even as an as an economy, we have this sort of um, future skills gap around engineering, and we, it's not just about women as well. It's the younger generation making sure. What is it about how to attract people to um, into engineering as an early career development, into retaining people as well, yeah. um, and then progressing within those careers? Because it seemed like there wasn't one major area that was the problem. It was like capturing retaining and developing so uh, that's what I'm trying to think about is what can I do myself because I don't want to get too lost in there's this problem and this problem it's like I want to be proactive and encourage people show people what's possible so um, yeah things like STEM activities going to events encouraging people and that's so one of and the other the last thing was on our steering committee call for DES was talking through with the, the senior management like what have you done personally for yeah. International Women's Day as well and there's some good examples in there of um, I'm going to go home talk to my daughter talk to her about her career aspirations how can I support her does she feel like there's any blocks so it's like you can do general things like I did around that campaign but then 
do your like yeah, where do I directly have an influence on my close network around me as well so um yeah a mix a mix of things oh that's, that's good what did you do yeah. um I, well I, I was I was quite uh, probably uh, quite bad I mean I went to the leading event mm-hmm. for, uh, in Manchester so I don't know if you've been to any, to any of the leaning events so um, where we were pledging what we're going to do for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then actually International Women's Day, I was at home actually right. <laughs> waiting for someone to, to fix my sofa. So. <laughs> yeah, but I think you, you live yeah, it yeah. and breathe it all the yeah, time. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. have to be oh, one day of the year. It's well, like Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, even if you think of STEM, yeah. you've got, uh, I think you, sometimes the mathematics bit at the end kind of, gets forgotten about so I always I think I always sit at the mathematics bit at yeah. the end with the accountancy um, and I suppose my experience of it has been very different because with finance there seems to be a quite a good balance between mm-hmm. the, the kind of the, the women and men uh, mm-hmm. who go into it so obviously when I've been to classes when I was training and then when I've been in in actual roles and you've got senior managers that are in who are female um, you, you see it from a different point of view and then what then come into energy management two and a half years ago yeah I, I saw it flip mm-hmm. I saw something where I wasn't used to I, I was used to this having diversity and all of a sudden I, I, I saw some it completely different where I was the only woman in the room mm-hmm. and that was really unusual for me mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it's interesting how there still there are some areas in that STEM yeah that are, that that I don't know that not that women kind of feel more comfortable with but obviously they they, they tend to gravitas towards yeah rather than I don't know would you say harder engineering or not not harder as in like um, got it you know what I mean there's a there's a huge variety I mean I I've definitely seen a change since I started I think that. Um, I'm more used to being in the environment where I'm almost like the only female. So when yeah. I even when I joined the field service team, there was around about 120, 130 field service engineers, and I was the only female. Yeah. And that that was my norm. So if anything, I I became used then when I would go later on in my career into like a, a women's network or yeah. women's events. I was in a professional environment with 100% women thinking oh I'm not I'm not actually used to this so yeah. I was I was the opposite it's just what you um what becomes your norm yeah and, um yeah and then there was some engineering teams where there's a, a different balance it, it really varies depending on um different areas within the UK different expertises different regions um I worked with different engineering teams in like Japan and Russia and Germany and there's I've seen a little yeah. bit of everything really. So how did the ones in like Japan differ? I mean, to to the UK. Um, I loved working with the Japanese market. I mean, they they there was a lot of questions whenever I went over there. I've I made sure I was sort of prepared with a lot of details. Like you probably heard the concept like the five whys. Yeah, yeah. So that was always particularly if I was. They're talking about an issue with a gas turbine, and if you know someone's going to ask you why five times, you kind of start <laughs> at where you. <laughs> so, so by the fifth one, you're like, and that was the concept. If I ask fi- why five times, then the it's with the aim to get to the real root cause yeah. of what's actually happened. 
Um, so I, I really, I really liked that because uh, I have quite a curious mind anyway. That's always asking why, probably to a point that it's quite irritating to people around me. Um, but then I just felt like there were some really interesting discussions. Um, I love the the culture. It's very like high level of respect as a guest into some of the business meetings. Um, they'd make sure that you do the business card ceremony. They'd give you gifts and things like that. So I just. I, I learned a lot from business etiquette that you can even apply to, to different environments than meetings that I've had in the UK. That, that respect went quite a long way. Um, and then to the food as well. <laughs> I love the food. So um, I'm really jealous. That's one of my places that I've always wanted to go since I was really, really little. It's still on my wish list. Yeah, so I would was, really recommend it. it, was, it yeah, it just looks like such a beautiful, beautiful country. And yeah. just so... Well, yeah, just beautiful. And say the food. The food looks amazing as well. Yeah, so. so much to see there. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I say, um, we just divert slightly, but yeah, it, there's, there's a, I think there's a train uh, holiday where you can go to the different cities mm. and, and go around there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because I went, that was the, the Shinkansen, it's like the high-speed train. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I went from um, Tokyo to Kyoto, and it was really fast, and you don't feel like you're turning or anything. And um, and then there was quite there's a lot of difference from the two cities. And and I was quite fortunate that I was there in the cherry blossom season as well. So it was Lovely. really really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's right. good. Well, actually, I was thinking when, when you were saying about the five whys, they're saying about the books because um, I'm I'm just trying to remember Simon. Uh, what for? For books, si- who asked the why question? I'm just trying to. Simon Sinek. Oh, oh, I know what you're what you're yeah, getting at, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, because he's got a book. So, I mean, have you read it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry no, about that. No, no, that was a quick question. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's fine. So, um, well, then, what other books then would you would you kind of you've read that you'd recommend? Um. There's uh, there's one that I literally finished last week, um, which was a book that Ralph Cortner bought for me before oh, he yeah. left. So he was very thoughtful. He put everybody in the team and put a lot of time into thinking what book does he feel like they'll find interesting, they'll enjoy reading. Like I do a lot of reading for, for business purposes. Yeah. I'm doing an MBA, which takes a lot of read, reading and researching and um, I'm also a bit of a geek with energy topics, like I'm just constantly reading like articles and books and all sorts. So Ralph chose for me um, a small book, which I really appreciated because I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> available. Um, and it's uh, Man's Search for Meaning okay. um, by Viktor Frankl. And it's it's really, really worth reading. It's a reflection um, from a life experience of going and living in one of the... the not living, being placed in one of the concentration camps. Okay. So it's reflecting on the sort of the stages from going into shock into what's happening to yeah. then almost like acceptance from this just horrific situation. And then on to once you go get out on how you go back from adjustment. Yeah. But it's really it's really quite inspiring because one of the things within there is saying that, you know, as a human being you can take absolutely everything away from me but you'll never take away my control over my my own attitude and my own response to a situation so it's really once you strip everything away from a person you you can never control like that attitude side 
Um, so I I liked that, and I liked that they there was some good guidance in there also around and um, being more responsible and like and accountable for yourself as well. Is saying like I have I have a accountability of some of the choices within my life. So one of the I remember one of the phrases that I thought probably overthought about, but it was almost saying now is your second chance um, to, in life. That if you if you are making a choice today, think about where that's going to get you, and then you almost consider coming back in time. And if you were to live again for the second time, would you do anything differently? Mm-hmm. So that you're very conscious about the choices that you're making. Um, and I. I found that quite empowering. I was like, I have that ability um, to make these choices in my life. There are things, and I was referring a lot of it to then the environment as well. And it can become so overwhelming of what's happening to the environment today. But how do I make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to live responsibly myself? So it's just thinking of how am I living my life? What choices am I making? And what can I do differently? So uh, I really enjoyed that book, Man's Search for Meaning. So it's a very good choice by Ralph. Yeah. Um, that's the one that's most recently on my mind. Yeah. And we were talking about the chimp paradox as well. Yes. Uh, before. So, I mean, I, I was just listening to you about that book. Does, does that kind of complement with the chimp paradox or does, because the chimp paradox for me and what I've kind of, I've said I've only read two chapters so far. <laughs> Faye knows why. Um, and... Um, it, it seems to be more kind of being at that presence and being more aware of now yeah. in terms of that those choices, yeah. rather than trying to not actually think back, yeah, or, or think forward, but just being here. Does it? Does it? Do the two books complement each other? Or? There's a there's I think around sort of having that that awareness and more consciousness around mm-hmm. and and knowing that you are there are accepting there's a lot that you're not in control of yeah. and that you'll never have the ability to be in control of, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but there are certain things that you have the ability there to influence. And so, like, the chimp paradox of thinking, um, how much of my behaviour is happening subconsciously and what could I take on consciously and, and sort of change? So um, I started reading that. I must have read it five or six years ago oh, or so. Yeah. Um, and it was when I started cycling because of Dave Brailsford with um, the Team Sky and I liked the concept around like the marginal gains and yeah. this this was one of them was if you've got a, such a high performing team and there's they're already doing so well how do you get that slight advantage over your competition and that's what Dave Brailsford was all about was I will make sure that they have the most comfortable mattress. They need to sleep right. They need to have all. They need to have a good relationship with their family. They need to have the right diet because it's these things that would just take a slight amount of time off their laps that means that they'll win. And a big part of that was your psychology. That if you if you go into something believing in yourself with all of the right sort of positive energy there behind you, then that increases your chances of success because it's yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. If you start something thinking, I know I'm not going to win, I'm going to fail, you know. Yeah, you are, you're gonna, yeah, you're just going to fail, yeah. Yeah. It's not, you, chances are you're not really going to win if you're, if you're already thinking you're going to lose. So. Yeah, so that, that book, that was used by a lot of different sports personalities um, around the psychology side to see... Um, Actually, how are they 
reacting and how could you be more in control of your own sort of behaviours and mindset. So, yeah, I really I enjoyed that book. Um, there's a lot of it that I, I can't remember now, but it's <laughs> worth reading, yeah. definitely. If you'd asked me five years ago, I could have talked about that for about an hour. Now yeah. I'm just like, yes, read it. Well, I mean, at the moment, I mean, what you, so, so you're saying um, you're doing an MBA, you just finished a leadership yeah. programme, uh, you're reading books, yeah. you're, you're how many days into your new role... So, uh, so yeah, so I say, what, what do you do to unwind then? To unwind? Um, you I... business books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I exercise. Um, I, I like running. So I, I need to exercise. I know when I'm at a point when I think I just need to go outside now, just get some fresh air, um, go for a jog. I used to do a lot of cycling, but I recently moved to London and I don't really like the idea of cycling around London. So no. um, I know some people do it and they've said it's, it, it, you know, you can do it and you can be safe. But I'm, I'm going to stick to jogging around the parks first and then I'll figure out some other things to try. Um, I just try and see my friends go to the pub. I'm very much like a pub person. I would rather sit in like a local pub and just have a drink than going to like a fancy restaurant. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm still trying to figure out where my local is in London. I'm trying all of them to try, try like figuring yeah. that out. Is this my local? No. Is this my local? What about this one? Right, this just one, keep no. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's quite a lot of pubs in London. I mean, that might, there's take, a lot. You, might take you a while. Yeah, I think it will take me a while. <laughs> so, how are you finding London life? Um, I really enjoy it because I, I, I've loved going to London for like the last few years just with um, friends and family and I used to go quite often with my mum so yeah. we, we both really like musicals so we'd go and see like another um, show and then just for walk arounds and then I, when I moved into the UK team yeah. um, I was going there more often for like customer visits and um, events and things so I got to the point where I thought I'm spending a fair amount of time there now for work and I really like the place so can yeah. I just actually live there and experience life there yeah I don't think that it's somewhere where I'll be forever because um it's London because it's London, I'm very much like, uh, I don't know. I know a few people since I moved there, they say I'm far too like chatty and smiley to kind of fit in with London. <laughs> it's the only, now I'm classed as a northerner, even though I'm like, I'm from Lincoln. I'm not from like right up north, but basically anyone there has said, you're north of London. So you're yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're north of, yeah, if you're not for, no, Watford, Watford Gap, that's generally how they classify it. You're right, okay. Northern. I'm a northerner then. Yeah. So. I mean, again, I mean, I don't, I suppose I don't know what the Lincoln accent sounds like. Are you typical Lincoln accent? or? Um, I think I'm probably more Lincoln than anything, but uh, my when my dad was working for Siemens or yeah. Alston at the time, um, we he was commissioning some of the first small gas turbines in Australia. So we moved as a family. I was only five. Oh, okay. We moved over to Australia. My dad was working there. And so I partly grew up in Australia, which seemed to, at that age, um, made created like a twang in my accent. So okay. I'm more or less Lincoln, but with a bit of an odd thing thrown <laughs> <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> so do you go off at the end of sentences? Sometimes. It depends on who I'm around. I'm one of those annoying people that I kind of mimic whoever I'm talking to, to the point where they think I'm taking the mick. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I think 
so many people do that because I think it's just part and parcel of, of being human and trying to be one of the tribe kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just trying to fit in wherever yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. So like, you're not, yeah. It, I think it's when you, when you start to try and do an Irish accent or something like that. No, I don't go that far. You're, I don't know. You're not that bad no, then. You're no. like, you know, a French accent or something like that. So, <laughs> but, um, so no, so yeah, getting away from from work and uh, so it's the pub and it's exercise um just uh, when I was thinking about the exercise you've done cycling you've done jogging mm-hmm. triathlon maybe yeah I've done triathlon. triathlon yeah I've done I did one of the ones in um in Lincoln just a, a sprint one so it's only shorter distances but it was really good actually because um when you do all three of them so from doing more swimming and running, it improved my cycling, just yeah. my general overall, because you're spreading yeah, it all yeah. between different muscles and um, different, um, like some of it, I was doing more interval training, some was doing more duration, that I I never felt fitter than when I did a triathlon. Yeah. Actually, I feel quite unfit now, but because we've got more, the, the days are getting longer and yeah. it's nicer weather, I'm starting to get back into it. Yeah, we're back into the... Uh... Kind of the the crux of kind of uh, yeah. exercise. So it is be winter though. You kind of go, oh, I'll just have a chocolate biscuit and sit down. Yeah, than, uh, fish and chips. Yeah, I do have a bit of a soft spot for fish and chips. Yeah. I, I can only ever eat fish and chips when I'm at the seaside. I really? always think, yeah, I always think fish and chips. Like, oh, I could eat it every day. Well, <laughs> I know, I, mean, I like it, but I just, I, I suppose I've just kind of got in my head that fish and chips is that's what you have when you're on holiday. Oh right, okay. it, you know, yeah. It's a childhood thing, so it's random. So, um, so one of the other questions I've got is: Well, what thing, one thing, or even more than one thing, would you uh, tell your younger self then about uh, about what you, what to maybe not what to do, but mm-hmm. you know, any advice that you kind of giving your younger self that. Uh, um my younger self so how young would I be I still like to class myself as young I don't know how much longer I can do that for (laughs) how young am I I I think maybe like the beginning of secondary school right okay um maybe concentrate more at school that might have been a good bit of advice but um I think what kind of person sorry I I, I would have thought I don't know I thought you would have been knowing you now it's like you'd be a bit of a bookworm are you really not or? uh not really at school no I'm more of a I'm more like hands-on and like practical stuff which is why I like the apprenticeship yeah. because I was like I I wanted to just get out of the classroom just sat there listening to someone talk for just hour after hour and some bits just writing out of the book I was like I just want to go outside and I think because even from Australia, we used to have some classes where we were outside, you'd sit under the tree, okay. do it. And I was just like, now I'm sat in England in a room. I just want to get how, out. How old were you when you came back? Then? Ten. Ten. So okay. I started secondary school back in England. Oh, right. Okay. So, so you'd done like primary school where it was nice and sunny. And, yeah. Like, and outdoorsy yeah, and swimming, yeah. beach. And then that's why there it was a bit like, oh, this is an adjustment, um, which was why at 16, I thought i, I a levels probably aren't for me um, because I want to. I, li- I really liked the idea of getting in the workshop, getting like just trying out different things, more practical skills. That's that point that was quite appealing for me. But yeah, in hindsight, I think I would say there's still some value in concentrating more at school um, <laughs> and to also to enjoy it as well. There's a few things that you look back on your sort of educational side and you think. 
you know, even even from the apprenticeship, you think, if I really concentrate, there's so much in there that I would be so interested in now yeah, that it, yeah. you just take it for granted when whilst you're in it. So I really, really value education because I'm still obviously doing the MBA. I, I really like learning. Yeah. Um, and I didn't appreciate that so much when I was younger. And um, I was really lucky because a lot of the things that I would tell myself, I had my parents telling me that at the time they were always very much you know anything's possible try things be bold just like very supportive so I had a lot of those messages that I think I would tell myself um I assume you you you're mentored I'm assuming you've got a mentor in well either in Siemens or outside of Siemens but have you ever mentored someone else have you have you Yeah, I've done um, a few different mentor sort of relationships from um, graduates in the organisation to more informal mentors for when people are going through different changes. There's a couple, because I went from a step change from engineering to commercial to a completely different field, there's a fair amount of people who approach me when they're going through a similar change and sort of ask for advice at that point. So um, that's more often where I've given sort of mentoring support and uh, then there's some different of the networks with sort of external women events um, where you can go and do some coaching sessions and this. Um, but yeah, I want to try and give back as much as I can. I, I don't think that you, it, for me, um, I've never wanted just one mentor because um, in, in reality it's been a handful of people who have helped me get to where I am and be who I am now. So yeah. I, I don't rely on one person. There's, I, I could think now of the people, even today, who I think are giving me most sort of support. But it's people within the company, it's people outside the company, and then there's a couple of friends that I know I just turn to all the time if I'm yeah. struggling as well. I guess, um, I mean, something which it took me a while to learn is about having that, that network and having that strong network. So, I mean, how... Did you th- I'm guessing you think that's probably very important to have that yeah that good network around you who's there for you yeah people that have just been through similar things that you know you've got some relatable examples so you don't just feel like I'm the only person going through this and what do I do about it it's just very refreshing for someone to say I've been there I've done it this is what worked for me maybe try that or give you more coaching and seeing actually maybe I know the answers but I'm not quite trusting myself for whatever yeah. reason so um, that's why I think it's good to have a, a mix of people because if they then call on all sorts you kind of get that combination of some of their wisdom and experience some of where you're actually surprised yourself with how much you already know um, so yeah I, I definitely think you need to have go-to people yeah no, that's fine. Um, I suppose I mean, we've been jumping around on my my questions. <laughs> this is fine. Okay, you know. um, but say, I mean, with what you're doing at the moment, or what you, I mean, what do you enjoy most uh, of uh, in your job at the moment, or or the one before? Because obviously you've only been doing this for two months. <laughs> um, I enjoy the like variety. Um, I think it was a few years ago that I was thinking, do I go like specialist or do I go more general? I I definitely like variety that you can walk into every day is completely different. You can walk in even within one day, every meeting you walk in, you're like, right, I'm going to use what I know about from the engineering side. This is commercial side. This is actually just more like relationship management. I really like 
pulling on those different experiences. Um, so variety is good. I, I love the the team as yeah. well. The, we're just such a good group of people to, to be around, to learn so much from that it's sort of challenging me. We can all challenge each other and it's just like, I just really like the environment because it's quite... We're a, we're a virtual team, so yeah. we're spread all over the country. So you'd naturally think, well, there's going to be a bit of a disconnect because we're not all sat together getting to hear the day-to-day. -day. Oh, what did you do last night? What did you do with this? So we all really have to make an effort to make sure that we're still connected. And uh, it just it works really well, quite naturally. So mm -hmm. we even had a session recently to say, like, how is that happening naturally? Like we just, but I think that we all enjoy working together and we all just really like each other as well, which is a bit of a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also that we're all working for our sort of our common purpose. The one because we're working on different things within the different team, within the uh, team, and on different markets. But we have like the one thing that just pulls us all together. Is we're all so passionate, particularly on that sustainability, yeah. saying what can we do always questioning ourselves can we do this in a cleaner way what can we do like even you know the sustainability development goals you're saying like it's about the environment it's about quality it's about waste it's you know yeah. there's a lot there about our supply chain with so um i think that that's what i really like is that we're always sort of constantly asking ourselves let's not just do what we did yesterday yeah. it's what we've always done what can we proactively change so yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of listening to you now is I think there's there's a kind of general consensus that a good team tends to know what their individual purpose is, what their team's purpose is, but what, what the overall kind of aim and goal is for the, the, the company. And I think you guys have got that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with any kind of advice or recommendations on how you how you kind of foster that? that? I mean, I know you said naturally, but mm -hmm. is there anything you do that's... Um, what did we come, I'm trying to think of the result of the coaching session after that was, I think, um, we did, we did some reviews around our, like our personalities. Have we as a group almost like just ended up coming together with the, we're all quite similar or is there something we're doing that is bringing this out in each other? Yeah. I think that, um, we've created a really nice environment that people feel willing and comfortable to talk about their opinions and what's important for them so and making sure we like we ask those questions pull that out as well um and just i think talking about it is just making a difference and making sure that um they know that it's important for me it's important for our senior management that i really like a lot of the messages that have come out even within the new restructure so it's like right this isn't just important for us as a team this is right from the board level they've yeah. just released an energy um the the charter that yeah. was released and it's just talking about like Siemens how are we uh, a trusted company for sustainable energy systems and so you think this is important right from the top it's it's not just like a nice to have it's it's essential so <clears throat> There's that board buy-in so that you can kind of see how it filters all the way down. So, yeah. Uh, so you know your impact. Yeah. And there's a whole, there's a good thing just happening overall in, in like society as well that we're seeing it in in the news more and more often. We're saying people are help, being held accountable. Companies are being held accountable. Huge oil and gas majors are making pretty big step changes that would have been shocking you know a few years ago so we're like right this this is happening you need to get on board it's 
critical. It's no longer in question of should we or shouldn't we. It's like just how do we do it? So um, yeah, I think it's having that awareness. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just thinking about how um, there was a school that on Red Nose Day they refused to get the noses because of the plastics. Oh, so, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were kind of going. So they just painted red noses on and things like that, so yeah. rather than use the plastic. So, yeah. I, I mean, I know that's completely off. No, it's not. It's also it's, yeah, around it's, waste yeah. and, yeah, yeah, it's people actually thinking about things like that. Because there are some, some things that you do that are, like, fun, and then yeah. you think, well, we can still have fun, but we don't have to do that to the detriment of the environment. Yeah. So, and it's I think that's the thing, just sort of stop, think about what you're doing and, you know, just... Um, change some behaviours so that's what we we made a bit of a joke of it for a while to say like the majority of people in the team are also vegetarians oh, because well. we're doing it for the sake of the, the yeah, environment yeah. um so I I like uh chicken and beef and pork but I've chosen not to eat it now it's, it's just like not by because I don't want to but I think that that's one of the biggest changes that you can make to reduce your carbon impact. And I'm like, is it essential that I have chicken every day? Yeah. Like, it's just not. There's uh, there's a lot of like amazing meals that I've had since I've gone veggie. There's still a few days where I, I have then had chicken, so yeah. I'm not 100%. But it became like a bit of a talking point within the team. Like, yeah. why are we doing that? And it's not, you know, you're not making people feel like they have to but I think just having that kind of conversation with being like well what what can we do differently could we could we've got the train where and then for me I was thinking where do I go on holiday all the time do I need to one point was I do I need to fly to New York to go and have this shopping experience or shall I go to London on the train you know yeah. I can still get the same of what I'm looking to do but I can do it in a more sustainable way. So I was just thinking that you're going to be on a cruise ship for like two, three weeks. No. Because you're going back to New York and then back again. <laughs> it takes you like a month. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> that was well, I still want to go to New York, so I'm going to go by boat. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't know if that's actually less sustainable. because it's Probably. Sort of, probably. You know, I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what the statistics are for a cruise ship versus aeroplane. <laughs> well, then... Um, I think we start to wrap up. So, um, I mean, my final question is what, what are you excited about for like DES and the, what you guys are doing in the future? And, oh, and yourself as well, what you want to do. You say you're two months into your new role. Yeah. What's, what's, what's yeah, uh, the world I mean, that they bring? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, um, I think I used to think that I could plan what I where I was going to be, what I was going to do. I had like a 10-year <laughs> career plan and that was it set out. Um, but what I've found through my career is just there are opportunities come up that you were never expecting, that you didn't plan for, but it just turned out to be brilliant. So if, if I leave myself kind of adaptable, um, yeah. then something will something pleasantly surprising normally happens. Um, I know that um, I think that if I kind of keep that mindset and just trust that I'm I'm happy today I'm no I'm going to be happy tomorrow see what will happen from where I live to what job I do to where I'm going to be um I generally my outlook is that I feel very fortunate just in life I feel like um I'm in a very good position like in myself um and then for DES the things that I'm excited about is 
is um, using a lot of the value there around the new operating company within smart infrastructure. So yeah. I like that we're very much aligned with the vision for smart infrastructure around creating the environment that cares. Um, so I think there's a lot of good things that will come from that and also using the, the value of the relationships with the other business units as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, getting that, that focus on our, our markets and creating new business models that are actually truly sort of value share with our customers and coming up with something a bit different. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Faye. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully, well, I'm guessing this might be one of many podcasts that you'll be doing in the future. So. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks. Thanks.